Hello church, welcome. My name is Janet Galantan and one of the pastors here at FCC. Wherever you are, whenever you're watching this, I'm so glad that you joined in worship today. Even if we can't worship physically in the same space, there's something beautiful about the way that we have continued to worship. The church has persisted in this season. Well, we've just started a new series on the book of Philippians called Whatever Happens. We're learning to follow Jesus no matter what in the world is happening around us. And today we're taking a look at Philippians 2. Let's just jump right on in. Philippians 2 begins, Therefore, if you, wait, wait, wait a second, that's important. It says the word therefore. Whenever we read the word therefore in the Bible, we've got to stop. Because here's a Bible trick I want to teach you. If it says the word therefore, that means we must go back and see what the therefore is there for. It'll point us to the argument. Whenever you read a section that starts with therefore, stop. Go back, read whatever is before it to see what the therefore is there for. So with that in mind, let's move back a little bit. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that they will be destroyed, but that you will be saved, and that by God. For it has been granted to you on behalf of Christ, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had, and now hear that I still have. So notice this, Paul tells the church of Philippi to stand firm, make his joy complete, and preserve the unity of the church. Paul was in lockdown in prison, and the church in Philippi was facing persecution. But Paul's lesson to them was to stick together and advance the gospel. And this is a universal posture that applies to any situations that we find ourselves in. It wasn't just a posture for the Christians in Philippi to learn. We have to learn it too. Ethan talked about this last week, how whatever happens to us, we have got to stick together and advance the gospel. Whatever happens, no matter how our lives change, what circumstances or issues come, no matter how bad or confusing it gets, stick together and advance the gospel. No matter what struggles or hardship comes our way. Even in the middle of persecution, we see Paul here urging the church to stand firm and strive to advance the gospel together. All Christians, all churches, everywhere, at every time, whatever happens, we must conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. We need to find our gospel opportunity in our lives. And it's in light of this context, this idea, the attitude of moving the gospel forward, no matter what happens, that we move forward and see what Paul has to say in chapter 2. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Wow, that's a hard thing to do. That's crazy hard. Be like-minded, have the same love, one in spirit, of one mind. Paul's telling us to be completely unified in this radical, incredible, totally unrealistic way. He wants us to be unified. I mean, have you ever been like-minded completely with anyone? That's pretty tough these days. I don't know about you, but I have trouble even agreeing on the best place to go out to lunch with some people. 
And more than that, I have trouble agreeing on certain things with other Christians. But Paul is saying that if we are united with Christ, if we share in Jesus' spirit, we ought to be unified with one another. We should be able to share the same love, be like-minded and unified in mind and spirit. And this can seem inconceivable at times. So let's go forward and see if Paul gets any easier on us. He says next, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Yikes, that's not any easier. Paul just raised the bar again. It's so easy to be conceited and selfish. I mean, how many times a day do you think we're conceited and selfish? In our culture, we're told to have ambition, to set goals, and to do anything in our power to reach them. I mean, I know I certainly have goals. I bet you do too. Maybe you have career goals or family goals. You might have financial goals or material goals, goals about gaining property, wealth, belongings. Are your goals and ambitions selfish? Or do they go deeper than that? Are your goals honoring God and others? That's a tall order. It takes a lot of work to do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. So far, we've been told to be completely unified and like-minded and to have no selfish ambitions. Let's see what else Paul has for us. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. All right, Paul, now that is impossible. Look to others' interests above mine? Value them above myself? I mean, that just doesn't come naturally. Who wants to lower themselves and put others first? We want to be first. You know, this verse actually makes me think about the Baltimore Orioles. Now hang with me for a second. I'm from Maryland, so I grew up going to baseball games. It's my dad's favorite sport, and I've missed getting to keep up with them while their season's on pause for a little bit. If you don't know a lot about Major League Baseball, let me tell you something. The Orioles are known for being terrible. They're the worst. I mean, I googled worst MLB team ever, and a picture of the Orioles came up. They're embarrassingly awful, and even though I'm an Orioles fan, I'm not exactly proud of them. A lot of fans aren't. Check out this video from the Orioles announcer last year. Even he feels embarrassed by them. Streak, he's hitting over 400 during this 10-game hit streak. Torres pumps that one in the air. That's to left center field. Wilgerson back. I, I don't know. Goodbye home run. I, I just, you cannot imagine this happening in Major League Baseball or any other place in baseball. I mean, he is just unstoppable, and it's all home runs against the Orioles. Poor guy. He sounds so sad. I mean, how bad does a team have to play for their own announcer to give up on them? We just saw the Yankees are scoring run after run. They're up 5 nothing, and it's only the third inning. But did you catch what he said? He said you can't imagine this happening anywhere else in Major League Baseball. Or anywhere in baseball. It's like they're playing a different sport they're so bad. It's all home runs against the Orioles, he says. They lose constantly, and the Yankees are playing amazingly well against them. All the teams do. I bet their opponents love playing them because their batting averages get better. Their own ranking improves. And I think Paul is telling us to be like the Orioles in this verse. To let ourselves lose. To play the game like we're playing an entirely different sport. To be people who help 
other people get home runs. Imagine if we lived our lives this way, that we helped other people get home runs, that we changed the sport. Our sport isn't to win, it's to lose for the sake of others and the sake of the gospel. Imagine if I served you in a way that fit your best interests and not my own. I think God's telling us to be like the Orioles, except on purpose. Put the other team's interests ahead of yours. Lay down your life. Lose the game. Help them get a home run in order to put someone ahead of you. When we're voting, vote in a way that helps other people more than yourself. Put their interests first. When we're hosting people in our homes, cook the gluten-free, sugarless dessert for the person with dietary restrictions. Make them a home run meal so they can be welcomed well. When we're having conversations on social media, put the interests of other people first. Are you posting something or making a comment because it fits your own interests? Or is your comment or post a win for other people? And one of the things I'm noticing in this moment, this specific coronavirus season, is how easy it can be to feel like I should look out for myself. The world is saying, protect your happiness, look out for your rights, do what's best for you. But I hear Jesus saying, no, look out for someone else. Look out for everyone else and put them first. Lose on purpose. Give someone else a home run. Paul's telling us to play the game differently and value others above ourselves. And wow, that's impossible. This whole section seems impossible. Try to be unified and like-minded. Be humble. Don't have selfish goals. Put others ahead of yourself. I don't know if I can ever get to the point where I'm living out all of these things. It's such a high call. Paul tells us what the bar is, and we're left wondering, can we ever arrive there? But that's the point of this section. It's aspirational. We'll never fully get there. We have to keep striving. We have to work to mold our lives to this charge. This is a message we need to come back to over and over again throughout our lives, throughout each week and each day. We place these words before our lives and we keep aspiring and aiming to reach this, knowing it's a tall order. Paul explains why this seems so impossible to us. In verse 5, he says, In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So the reason this all seems so impossible is because Paul's saying, yeah, just be like Jesus. Yeah, that's it. Simple, right? Just be like Jesus. Things would be a whole lot better if all of you could just act like Jesus. <laughs> no, that's definitely not easy. Paul doesn't let us off the hook. Instead, he sets the standard so impossibly high on purpose. He tells us to settle for nothing less than acting like Jesus. Jesus who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Paul tells us to have the same mindset as Jesus, who even though he was God, he made himself Nothing. Nothing. He didn't seek equality with God. He didn't try to glorify himself. Instead, he served others and helped them. Jesus even humbled himself by becoming human. 
And worst of all, Jesus died in the most humiliating way, death on a cross. You know, we so easily forget how humiliating the cross is. It's easy for us to become accustomed to it. It's a sleek symbol that we use for decoration. We see it as jewelry, tattoos, all sorts of different things, and we can become so used to it that we forget what it is. It's a method of execution. It was a demeaning, disgraceful, and ugly way to die. Jesus died a criminal's death. And that's the shape our lives are supposed to take, the shape of the cross. And when we worship a God who died on the cross, humbling ourselves doesn't sound so crazy. When the one we claim to follow, who is deserving of all glory, all praise, all honor, when he died on a cross, being unified and like-minded isn't too unreasonable. When we worship a God who died on the cross, putting other people's interests first doesn't sound so crazy. It's not too much to ask for. It still sounds hard, but it doesn't sound so crazy. It sounds like the way that we follow our God, the way that we become like Christ. We lay our lives down and put others first. We give up everything we think we've earned or deserve, and instead we humble ourselves. We lower ourselves as far as we can. Paul goes on to say, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is ultimately glorified and honored. But the path to that wasn't by seeking his own glory. The path to exaltation to the highest place is through humility. The path of the cross is the path to the life God has for us. The path of the cross is the path that we must take whatever happens. No matter how much hardship we go through, we take the path of the cross. No matter how many people disagree with us or criticize us, we take the path of the cross. No matter how inconvenient things get, we take the path of the cross. Whatever happens, we take the path of the cross and we humble ourselves. This is what it takes to be like Jesus. Our lives should look like this. Now, I got to be honest with you, this whole humble yourself and put other people first thing, this living like Jesus thing, if it were just up to me, I don't think I could do it. It's just too hard. And if it were just up to you, I mean, no offense or anything, I don't think you could do it either. I don't think you could pull it off. None of us could. But I've got good news for you. Paul doesn't think it's up to just you or just me. Paul doesn't say it's your job to find the inner strength to make this happen. Paul tells us, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. So we work this out with fear and trembling because it's a high call. It's not easy. But we see that God works in us to fulfill God's own good purpose. The whole point, this, this is far more than you can do on your own. 
But this is what God will guide you through. God says, humble yourself and let me work through you. God says, be an instrument of my good works. God wants to use you and work through you to accomplish good purposes, to do good works, to proclaim the gospel. And when you humble yourself, you become the tool of God. God wants us to be tools that are useful for good works. Now, there's two common definitions of the word tool. The one is the slang word, a tool, like, oh, he's such a tool, don't bother talking to that guy. Maybe you've heard that before, or even called someone that before. If you haven't heard of this, when we call people tools, we're basically saying they're arrogant, obnoxious, they think a lot of themselves, their egos are huge, they're attention-seeking. Not a good thing to be that kind of tool. But if you're in the hands of God, you're not just a tool. You're a tool that's useful for good works, helpful for getting the job done. Think about the tools you have at home, maybe a hammer, a screwdriver, a drill. You keep them because they're useful. You'd get rid of them if they stopped working. When my husband and I lived on Milligan's campus, he quickly became known as someone who had a lot of tools that people needed to borrow. But the tool we lent out the most were our jack stands for our cars. People always needed them to work on their cars. They're useful for so many different jobs, changing the tire, changing the oil, looking at the exhaust, all sorts of things. Now, a jack stand is a perfect example of what it looks like to be a tool used by God. If a jack stand refuses to get on the ground and refuses to prop up a car, it's not useful. It's not capable of doing the job that it's supposed to do. A jack stand must be low. It must be on the ground propping a car up. But it's best if you use two jack stands. Working together, it helps balance the car and prop it up so you can do the work even better. And when you're using two, they have to be set at the same height. If they're trying to be different heights, you risk tipping the car over. They have to be equally low on the ground. Just like we have to be willing to be humble enough and unified enough to prop up the gospel. The goal isn't for us to be noticed, trying to be higher and higher, for us to be honored, but for the gospel to be proclaimed and advanced. In the same way, we must be willing to get on the ground together, unified. If one of us is fighting to be bigger and taller, we risk ruining the job we're seeking. We risk tipping over the church and the gospel for the sake of ourselves. We're all just a bunch of tools. The question is, what kind of tool will you be? Will you be the arrogant one who people avoid, the one who's flexing their own muscles but not really doing anything? Or will you be a tool that is useful for accomplishing a purpose, a tool working towards God's good purpose, an instrument of God? What does it take to be an instrument of God? Humility. When we're humble, God uses us to advance the gospel. Our call is to stick together and advance the gospel. And Paul says you can't do it until you've learned to have an attitude like Jesus, a cross-shaped attitude. The bad news is that you can't do it on your own. But the good news is that God doesn't expect that. God says, put your life in my hands. Humble yourself and be a tool used by God. Lay your life down. Put others' interests ahead of yourself. But before we close, I have one warning for you, though. 
It would be really easy to listen to a message like this and the whole time be thinking about all the other people in your life who need to learn humility. Maybe you've thought of a few. Yeah, so-and-so from work, maybe I'll send her the link. She could really use a lesson in humility. But no, my hope for you today is that you would absorb these words yourself. Let them fall on your own heart. Don't think about someone else who needs to learn humility. Instead, humble yourself. Whatever happens, let yourself lose. Give someone else a home run. Put others' interests first. Look around your life this week. Who do you need to put first? Maybe your neighbor needs help with yard work and you have the skill and the time to help them. Or maybe your spouse, your kid, or your friend needs you to give them your full and undivided attention. To listen, even when there's plenty of other things that you could be doing. Maybe you have a coworker who is working on a project and you just think they should learn how to do it already, but they're struggling and you have the ability to help them. Will you help them make this project a home run even if you won't get credit for it? Or maybe you had a heated debate with someone over a hot topic and you need to humbly go and apologize and hear them out, listen to their perspective, put their interests first when it comes to this issue. Jesus calls us to lay down our lives, to get on the ground and prop up the gospel. When we stay unified and gospel-focused, even in the face of persecution, even in the face of suffering and confusion, this all demonstrates to the world who God is. The world can see God better when we are humble. Humble yourself and take the path of the cross. And whatever happens, stick together and advance the gospel. Let's pray. God, I just ask that every single one of us right now would let this message fall on our hearts, that we would humble ourselves, that we would get on the ground and prop up your gospel, your good news. Show us this week who we need to put first, whose interests we need to put ahead of ourselves. Teach us how to be like you and to live a life in the path of the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.